Okay. Are we ready? Do we need do do you need to go out? Did you got here at eight o'clock this morning. <laughs> well good. Okay. Anybody else? Josh and Kelly? Alright, we're gonna go ahead and start since he rang the bell. Okay, definitely. Um, let's just stand and if you know the the uh, the beginning of the uh Oh Heavenly King, let's say that. Alright. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Heavenly King, the Comfort of the Spirit of Truth, who art in all places and fillest all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls of good ones. In the name of, the name of Lord Jesus Christ, his Mother, and of all the saints, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Amen. All righty, good. Well, hi, everybody. Glad to see you here. Um, the talk... The topic of the day is about prayer corner, prayer rule, and life in the church. And when I was thinking about that, I thought that the best way to approach this would be to talk about connection. Okay? And we want to be connected with God. We want to be connected with one another. And we want to be connected with our very best self. So that's, that's what we're going to be talking about here. And then, of course, you know, there was another element I couldn't quite get my finger on in terms of organization. And, of course, it, it occurred to me this morning, but that's better than occurring to me this afternoon, later. But that is connection with a prayer rule, and that is a big thing to consider as well. How do we get connected to our prayer rule? So... Um, you know, hold on to your hats. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a fast run, and I'm thankful that they asked me to do this lesson. I am a very how to put my hands on it sort of a person. Much not much of the philosophical and theological things like they had other lessons. So I'm thankful that he allowed me to do this lesson. So here we are. So we're going to be talking about connection to God, to one another, and to our best self a prayer corner, a prayer rule, and life in the church. And I just want to say that I like to find it much easier to think about stuff than about prayer. So when you say, okay, we're going to talk about the prayer corner or the... Can you hear me okay? Okay, prayer corner, you know, prayer rule. And my first thought is, okay, what's the stuff that I need to put on my prayer corner? But is that where our, God wants our hearts? You know, he wants us to think about the prayer. But, but that's, that's me, and maybe some of you find, find yourself in that position too. You know, what do I need to, to have, to have a good home altar kind of thing? But, um, so, when I, when I think about how, what should I do, or, or how do I relate to to the society, a lot of times I will ask myself, what was it like for the people who have been Orthodox over the centuries? I mean, people, people have, okay. <laughs> um, most of the time, people have been living in very, what we would consider poor situations, okay? A lot of the time, since since even before the Muslim religion came along, people in lands that had great Christian populations were subjugated to very cruel and oppressive rulers. Okay, um, and and you all maybe remember the Soviet Union. You know when it was under the communist yoke for so many years. I actually have relatives had a relative relatives in Poland. And one of my uncles was a college, university professor, but because he would not sign the statement of the Communist Party saying there is no God, he was not allowed to teach. So his, he stayed home and did the shopping, and that's a big job in those little old towns. And his wife worked as a secretary, clerk somewhere to support the family. So, so the Christians over the years have lived in difficult situations and yet they maintain their piety you know it was the ordinary 
everyday Orthodox Christians in Russia who kept the church alive when the communist regime fell, wow, here came the church back again. Okay, um, these people produced priests, they produced monastics, their children stayed Orthodox. And you know what they, what they had in their, they were tiny little homes. We love pictures of Europe because it's so quaint. Well, that's because everything was so tiny. You know, no birth control, but, but you know, huge families. So what was their home altar? In Russia, it was called the beautiful corner or the red corner. If you, if you think, you know, they call that big thing in Moscow, red square, it means not communism, it means the beautiful square. But at any rate, they would have a little corner shelf in one room of their house. Maybe, maybe there was just one gathering center, just a little corner shelf way up high so that it, you know, the kids throwing stuff around and the tall people and people walking through with hats and whatever would abundantly. And on that little shelf, they would have their icon. And for them, that was sufficient for their home altar. And yet it was a very precious place. So nowadays we talk about, I mean, there's whole books written about how to set up your home altar. I mean, we don't have to be in that way. And yet, I just, that's very meaningful to me because <clears throat> growing, we have four children and uh, I was mostly a stay-at-home mom, so raising four children on one income is a challenge anyway. And then I was also working for a business, and I, but anyway, long story short, when I was 50, he passed away suddenly from cancer. So I, then I was raising the four children totally by myself, you know, without having a, a career to fall back on. It was, it was a scary time, you know. So you think about, I, I just want to make the point that you don't have to have a lot of fancy things in order to have a worship life. Does that make sense? You know, and you might even make a choice, do I buy this icon or do I spend <coughs> money on gas to come to church? Well, I mean, that's something to talk to. But, but be, that being said, is that what's in our, it's what's in our hearts that's the most important. And that, you know, it, the, this, the things are not, are not totally essential. However, we are a nation, we have things, you know, at hand, and so there are some things that we have available for us. So, um, so let's just talk a little bit about a prayer rule. And I'm sorry, I just have to go back and forth because I just, I was scribbling and I just, I just had cataract surgery a short while ago and I'm waiting for my other glasses. All right, so um, a prayer rule in the Orthodox Church would include time to greet the saints, a time to say some prayers, a time to perhaps read the scriptures, maybe a time for silence, and then a time to say goodbye to the saints. And now why do I say greet the saints? A lot of times you'll hear people say, well, we need to venerate the saints. And I'll go into some of this because some of you are, are, are fairly new. Well, I was recovering from open heart surgery and uh, I had just brought my little travel icon, just little, you know, this big foldable icon, just an inexpensive paper print of the Lord Jesus and the Theotokos and in the hospital room, and I really felt as if the presence of the Theotokos was there in my room with me. And that's when I realized that, well, we're you know, icons are a part, of course, of our worship, and I'm gonna try to hold myself off from talking about the icons themselves. But at any rate, to me, the, the important thing is that an icon, you hear it called a window to heaven, you know, and so forth and so on. But an icon is not a picture to look at. It's a person to be with. They're there. You see, the, with, in the icons, they are there with us. And so that's why I say when we have our prayer time, I like to say, I'm going to greet the saints. Okay, so. And then at the end, you know, anybody who's, who is an honorable person, when you come into their office or their 
presence or their church, you would greet them, and then when you leave, you would say goodbye. So that's part of our of our um, prayer time. Now, uh, there's a wonderful book written by a contemporary Russian monk, and he says that, I mean, he's just so practical. He says, um, prayer is an encounter with God. So what helps you in your encounter with God? And he said, I would rather that you spend five minutes in your prayer time really concentrating and thinking about this relationship that you have with God and with the saints than 25 minutes of a rote prayer. So just keep that in mind. You know, we, it's, it's about a real relationship. So um, a lot of what we do in the Orthodox Church is to have written prayers. Now, when my, I became Orthodox when my son was probably 18 or 19. And he was saying to me, well, Mom, you know, those written prayers, I mean, that's just, somebody wrote those, you know, that's not from your heart. You know, you need to pray from your heart and have it be real. And that just reading what somebody else wrote is not going to be very useful. And he's been doing worship leadership since he's been in high school, you know. And... And I didn't convince him, but I think I had a convincing argument. And that is that you don't get up and have your worship set and just start to spontaneously sing whatever comes into your heart. You know, it's something, it, the, each song is something that somebody thought about. They wrote, they revised, they added music to it, you know. And, and then you take these songs that somebody has put a lot of work into and you put them in to worship set, it, it's from your heart, yes, and it's also prepared. So I just like little object lessons, and so here's what I want you to do, just in time with this. Let's just say, okay, for the next minute, we're all going to sit here silently, and we're going to just pray. Okay? So go ahead, everybody. We're just going to sit silently, we're going to pray. Okay. Can see me like where this is an exercise? Pardon? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, it's been 30 seconds. Tell me, did you think of a lot of things to say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> pretty weak. <laughs> what? That's pretty weak. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, God bless mom, God bless dad, bless my grandma, bless my brother, bless my cat, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, that's often the kind of a prayer that we think of praying, and it's difficult to pray for more than just a short amount of time. So, how, many, how many people said the word just three or four times? <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> so, um, I kind of admit I said the Jesus prayer, but it's a habit that I've developed whenever I'm not praying. Especially when I'm quiet, it just happens. Well, good. That's good to hear. <laughs> so, um, one thing that really that I learned many years ago in a Protestant prayer group was different elements of prayer. And so I want to share that with you. You can think about, think about the word acts. A is adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. And S is supplication. Well, oh my goodness, all of a sudden this opens us up to a whole lot more type of things that we could do in terms of prayer. And so... Um, in that particular group, we would have it divided up into, okay, well, we're going to start now. It was a lovely little prayer group. I'm, I'm not being facetious. It really was. And so we would have a little time of adoration where we'd read part of a psalm or something, and then we'd have time of silent confession, and then we'd have time of thanksgiving for prayers that had been answered, and then a time for prayer requests. And that really, compared to most Protestant prayer groups, was a very enriching experience 
and letting us do more than just God bless mom, God bless dad, and so forth and so on. So just remember that, A-C-T-S. So now what I'm gonna do is, um, let's, just compa- let's just talk about written prayers now. Um, in this prayer book, um, there are just many, many prayers, and I'm saying, oh, am I gonna have to pray all these prayers? Am I gonna have to be here forever? But I'm gonna read you a prayer written by St. Basil. And, um, and then we're gonna go back and think about it. So it says, he says, we bless thee, O God, most high and Lord of mercies, whoever doest among us great and unsearchable things, glorious and extraordinary, which cannot be numbered, who granted us sleep for rest from our infirmities and repose from the burdens of our much toiling flesh. We thank thee that now has not destroyed us with our sins, but has loved us as always, and though we are sunk in despair, thou has raised us up to glorify thy might. Therefore, we implore thy incomparable goodness to enlighten the eyes of understanding and to raise up our minds from the heavy sleep of indolence. Open our mouth and fill it with thy praise, that we may be able, undistracted, to sing and chant and confess unto thee who art God. Glorified in all and by all, the Father without beginning, together with thine only begotten Son, and the all holy, good, and life-giving Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Well, in terms of time, um, let's just talk about the very first part. So, remember, a adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We bless thee, O God Most High. What would that be? Adoration. And Lord of mercies, whoever doest among us great and searchable things. That would be like adoration plus thanksgiving, wouldn't you say? You do great and unsearchable things among us. Okay, glorious and extraordinary, which cannot be numbered. Who grant us to us sleep for rest for our infirmities. Okay, so that would, again, be thanksgiving. But who often, how often do we remember to give thanks for sleep, okay? And repose from the burdens of our much swelling flesh. We thank thee, thanksgiving, that thou hast not destroyed us with our sins. Well, there's part of confession, right? But has loved us as always. Well, there's adoration. You've loved us, okay? And though we are sunk in despair, there again, that's confession. You've raised us up to glorify thy might. So there again, we're we're giving him thanks for what he's doing. And then we implore thy comparable goodness. There's the supplication to enlighten our eyes. Okay, so I think my my point is that these prayers written by saints, written by people who, St. Basil was amazing, a brilliant scholar, and um, also the man who provided organization. He went out into the the um, wasteland that was Cappadocia where people were living in caves and said to the monks, you gotta get yourself organized. You know, so he was brilliant. Anyway, and he was an ascetic, he, he fasted um, very seriously. So these people who've lived with God, they've lived in silence and solitude and yet were brilliant teachers, they're the ones who've written these prayers. They know God more than I do. So I, I open myself to their wisdom, okay? So part of our prayer life is connecting with God and learning more about God. So as you read these various prayers and think about who God is, then making that connection, helping your own life, you know, refining yourself, growing in the spiritual gifts and so forth, that would be becoming more connected with your best self. So that would, that's what I wanted to say about, where did I leave my, my notes? Does anybody see them? Pardon? Oh, okay, there we go, okay. So, okay. So that's why we have written prayers in our, in our Orthodox life. So, um, an Orthodox prayer rule is something to talk to your um, spiritual father about. Um, Everybody's going to be different. Maybe you've never prayed at home before at all. Um, Maybe you've never read the Bible before. Or maybe you, you know, you already read a chapter 
of the Gospels every day, or maybe you've memorized the Psalms, you know, or something like that. Who were your parents? Were they stern? Were they distant? Were they loving? You know, nurturing? What, you, who your family is is going to picture, color your picture of who God is and how you relate to him. So everybody's different. And so that's why there's not a rule about a prayer rule. And the prayer rule can change. For instance, I have a prayer rule. I've talked it over with Father Daniel. But this week, all of a sudden, all I could do was stand in front of the icons and, and say the Jesus prayer. I mean, God knew something was happening to me on that particular day. And so, you know, I don't even know what. But, but it just reminded me of Mary and Martha. I mean, you might think of of the prayer rule is the Martha, but then there are times where we're just Mary, just sitting, you know, in our, at, or some place. It doesn't have to be in our icon corner. It can be in your hospital bed. It can be on the road, you know, it can be any place like that. So that's why I say that a prayer rule is very individual, <clears throat> will vary in terms of, you know, what, what are your responsibilities in the morning, you know, how tired are you at night, and so forth and so on. Um, so, again, let me just say a typical prayer rule would be a time of silence, a time to greet the saints, um, a time for some prayers, a time for scripture reading. Um, a lot of the written prayer rules also include the um, reciting this, what, what the Russian church calls the symbol of faith or that we call the Nicene Creed. Um, and then time of silence, intercession, and then a farewell to the saints. So that would be a typical prayer rule. However, I'm a big believer in, well, I'll get to that at the end, like how do we connect with really getting our prayer started. So um, let's talk about prayer then. Um, where might you set up your prayer, your your home altar or something. I've been to some homes where it's beautiful, you know, multi-icon thing right in the middle of the house. And I say to myself, I don't want my family to know when I'm praying and when I'm not praying. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want it to be more private. So, you know, I think that there's a place for both. There's a place for the real big altar. There's a place in your own private space where you might, you know, where you could go. You know, it says go into your closet and pray in secret. So there's two elements in, in family life. There's the, there's the family, you know, sitting, and then there's your own personal time. And, you know, if you're going to get real with God and cry or whatever, why you just don't want to do it right in the middle of the hall or in the middle of the living room. So those are just things to consider. And then if you have children, also thinking about a place for them to provide them with privacy for their prayer times too. So... Um, let's talk about prayer and the senses. So when you have your prayer time, do you stand or do you sit? Okay. Um, a lot of the prayer instructions are written for monastics. So just be aware of that. And if you read something that seems like, what? You've got to be kidding. The, the enemy loves us to be outraged. It's just one of our favorite. Like you read, who is who is the columnist now? Amy Dickinson or something. You know, you read some story about somebody who, you know, the advice columnist. And your first, they want you to be outraged, and God doesn't want you to be outraged. So, if you read something, talk to Father, stay connected with Father Daniel and talk to him about your questions about your prayer rule. Standing or sitting, I think that standing is considered to be. Is, I guess you'd say it's preferred. I mean, most of our lives, people didn't even have chairs. And, I mean, they might have a little stool, but chairs were unusual. However, this same Metropolitan Alfayev says, this lady comes to me and says, Father, my leg, I can't come to church. My legs hurt so much when I stand. He said, sit. He says, it's better to sit in church and think about God than to stand and think about how much your legs hurt. <laughs> you know? So if you're energetic, stand. And if you really, you know, if you're feeling sick or tired, sit. I mean, God, we have a good God, and he just wants you to, to be connected with him. So we would, um, 
you know, that would be one thing. Um, you all, we have some new people here, so we would start, the, we think about five senses, but in the world of occupational therapy, which I am in now, there's actually seven. It's about where our bodies are in space and how our bodies are related to one another. So when we greet the, um, the saints pictured in the icons, we put, put th with our right hand three fingers together to symbolize the Holy Trinity and two fingers down to, to um, symbolize the two natures of Christ, God and man in one person. We say it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, we're connecting with our head and our, it's not our heart. What is it? What are we connecting with? Well, it's covering our whole body to be sure. But, I mean, you think about it, um, th there's a phrase in, in scripture called the hearts and reins. The reins, R-E-I-N-S, that's this whole part in here. What do you say? I had a gut feeling, you know, or I was, I had butterflies in my stomach, or my stomach was churning, or I just had this, this you know, hunch. It says in one of the translations, Paul says, I pray for you with all bowels and mercies. I mean, the fathers recognize that there are things going on in our whole body that symbolize what's happening with ourselves. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, you know, our strength, our shield, and so forth. And when we do the sign of the cross, so we also, so we would have our hands, you know, relating to our body, we would also, we would either bend like this or make a bow long enough that you would brush your hands on the floor, depending on how your hamstrings are, you know, <laughs> what's going on with your hips and so forth and so on, whether you're cough, anyway. And we would say, you know, pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, or with, when we were reading the icons, we would make two signs of the cross, make a bow, kiss the icon, and then come back up and, you know, make another sign of the cross. So we have our bodies involved in that, in the movement. We have the touch. We have the kissing of the icon. So there's another element there. Um, now, I need to talk a little bit about prostrations, and here we go. Um, it's, if you'll please indulge the occupational therapist. So an occupation, uh, a lot of people you'll you'll talk about prostrate. Oh, that's what the Muslims do, isn't it? And well, uh, there were Christians around in the Middle East a lot longer than there have been Muslims. Where do you suppose the Muslims got the idea that it was good to bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ? So prostration. I've talked this over with the other therapists. I'm sorry if this is boring, but. Um, talks with the other therapists. There's, you know, about what is a good way to do a safe way to do prostration, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Okay, so you, this is the way I do it. Like that. Okay, down all the way. Some people find it easier to go down on one knee and then the other knee. To me, from a purely movement point of view, that puts, puts your hips a little bit twisted and can, you know, might keep your back. To me, the safest way, and Father Daniel says this is the way they do it at seminary because it's quickest. It takes up <laughs> the least amount of space is to go down. But there's a couple of considerations for safety. I'll come up here. I don't like to be up in front of everybody, but a couple of considerations from a therapy point of view is that when you go down, you let your hips go backwards so that you keep your knees right above your toes. Real important, okay, so that you don't damage your... So you're going down like this, and then let your hands come down. Okay, you walk your hands forward like that, so your knees are down, put your head down on the ground, push up, and then, second really important point, is walk your hands back so that you push your knees back so that they're right over your toes. And to me, that's a safe way to do prostration. Why not? Some of us use the chair next to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Question? What was that, Harmon? Why don't people, I don't see many, I've only seen one person do that. That's a good question. We have, 
we have in, in our church that we have seasons, like for instance, when the cross is here, in you know, for what for some of the holy days, we would venerate the cross with a prostration. During Lent, we have some prayers that we do prost- that include prostrations typically, and during the the uh, those midweek services, are call for a lot more prostrations. Okay. So, can you do it whenever you want to? You sure can. <laughs> okay, so, you know... There's... If I could, if some of us are no longer able... Yeah. I mean, I used to prosper a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but I just, I just, I'm just not physically able to right. do it anymore. I'm just real proud of myself that I can actually get my hand out. I was in a little bit with Frederica Matthews Green, a little bit back and forth. Yes. Do you prostrate to the Theotokos? You, you mentioned the cross yes. and Christ. Um, and, 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 uh, that's, that's, I don't have the answer for that. That's, you know. I'm we have full prostration yeah. on her dormant. Yes, uh, yeah, I have seen, I have seen that. Yeah, okay. I mean, and as far as doing whatever you want, I'd be careful there. Because yeah. then everybody starts, what are we supposed to do that? And everybody starts questioning. So yeah, okay. if you were to become the when you're in the congregation. Okay. I want to add one thing that Lynn's on, on, on cross yourself. Yes. Two natures, like you said, yeah. down for his ascension into Hades. Three, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his resurrection. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Mark. I did not know that. There's a lot of meaning. <laughs> He's crazy. In the power of the <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that, Mark. Thank you very much. All right. I hope I'm not. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Isn't it? What about this kind of frustration? When you're oh yeah, that's fine. When you're flat on the floor. Yep, that's I mean, fine. I've seen priests priests lay flat that. on the floor for like minutes as part of their uh, ordination. I was kind of told to do that at home. That's and fine. It takes too long. Yeah. <laughs> up here. But uh-huh. there's also an issue of having enough room in here. Seriously, you know, I mean, we're, we're proud of yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would, uh, back when I used to do it, I used to prostrate, but Charles, my old friend Charles and I, you know, we used to do it a lot. And, and, and so, yeah, at, 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 at Vespers and in the special liturgies that we have during, during Lent, we would do that quite often, rarely on a Sunday morning, because on a Sunday morning, there's just too many people around right. to, to do a full prostration like that. So, you know, you kind of, you got to be mindful of the right. people around you. There's not a lot of kneeling on Sunday either, though, so it's a resurrection. So. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, I had this, uh, this kid's uh, album that Katie gave me to play for Rachel, uh-huh. and, it's dog. and there's uh, one of the songs talks about kneeling, like when we go to church, we kneel. And it's, it's a totally Orthodox mm-hmm. lady, Orthodox album, but um, it sounded to me when she was, it, it, I was like, kneel, we don't kneel, we go, you know, to go to church. But well, we don't kneel on Sundays, because it's the day of resurrection. So we, we kneel a lot during Lent, and some people kneel in the liturgies during the week. Kneeling best for Rebecca. I don't understand, kneel like, yeah, doing, like, like this. that, church yeah. kneel, oh, okay. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> Just not on Sunday. But not. I haven't seen it during Vespers, but I've only been to a couple. Right. Okay. So it's Vespers. Well, Vespers is technically Sunday. What Saturday at Vespers? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the it's you'll notice you'll do the the day starts at Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. Oh, okay. The day starts at Sunday. So if you if you just indulge me for just a minute, thank you for your questions, everybody. A prostration, it stretches every. Thing in your body in a good way, okay. When you go down, <clears throat> think about it. It you know stretches your your legs here, your your feet, your toes, um, and then when you get back up, then you're you know doing another direction. It provides a massage for your internal organs. Remember what I was talking about the the bowels and mercies and so forth. You're squeezing and massaging everything in there that usually doesn't get any kind of a movement. It compresses your lungs so that the deepest part of your lungs, where you usually don't breathe to, you know, 
you know, there's just all this stale air and deep part. It squeezes all that stale air out of your lungs so that when you stand up again, then it's filled with fresh air. Well, in this time of COVID, wouldn't you like to be able to get some of that stale air out of your lungs? Okay, um, when you go down with your, with your hands like that, you know, it's strengthening your shoulders and your back. When you're down in your full prostration, your head is lower than your heart, which is always really good for your circulation, you know, so that the blood can flow more quickly to your brain and then get back up again. So, so this is real practical. That's all there is to it. I like to think about the practical things about what God offers us in his worship patterns, okay? So we might make some prostrations. Uh, we kiss the icons. And then what about, um, oh yes, another topic is that you will see some people here in church when we say the Lord's Prayer that they lift up their hands like this. Ten years, well, how long ago did I go to OT school? Anyway, I went to Johnson City, and there's an Antiochian church there that actually Terry and Deborah Maddenly helped to start. And the Antiochian tradition is during the Lord's Prayer to put to raise your hands like this. You know, it says in the scripture, raise your hands in, in the holy place. Well, people who've done that, you know, their whole, so you're welcome to do that. Now, when I came back here, I just didn't know, but I thought the Russian tradition is, is not, is just to have our hands on. So you are free to have your hands wherever you want to in the Lord's Prayer, but that's the reason. It's part of raising your hands to the holy place. So there's another element of our bodies that we worship with. I'd have to ask Father Daniel. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's talk some more about the senses. Okay. Um, so we have the, the the sense of sight, and that would be um, the icons that we look at, and it would also be light. And you know, back in the day, I think that they said somewhere that. To have a to buy enough candlelight or oil to read for a couple of hours in the evening would cost a day's wages. So you think about how we have our lights so available. And and just another aside, I mean, who needs Jesus anymore? We have the light of our phone. We have Elder Google and we have, you know, his assistant, you know, <laughs> Wikipedia. Uh, you know, everything we need, you know, if, if an emergency, you don't need to call on Jesus for help. You just dial 911 on your phone. Facebook is a community of saying. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, light. So uh, all these things are just, if you want light, uh, you know, you can get a little votive light like this. And um, th these things are so readily available now on Wikipedia. Um, you can always light a candle or you can use an oil lamp, just, you know, a little votive glass like this um, with just light olive oil from Kroger or we get ours for the church at Costco. We've tried other kinds of oil, but olive oil works best. These are little wicks that have a little um, um, piece of, of waxed thread in them. You can, can probably ancient faith or different icon places, you know, you, can you see this little bit of waxy wick? You just stick that down in the middle, just floats in the oil, and then you can burn that if you want to have a light. Okay, so that's available. So that would be something that would be sight as well. And of course, the written word of God and your written prayers. Okay, oh, another thing, do you say your prayers aloud or do you say them silently? Well, yes. That's the um, you know, it takes work to speak the prayers. Well, there are times when I'm tired where I just say them in my head. But to speak them, A, you know that, that you know, it's doing more for you because it's harder. But you hear them as well as think them. And I just have not really read this, but it seems to me if... if if there are evil forces, you know, roaming around and we're speaking the word of God, what are we doing to the universe with our spoken prayers? And I think it's just something to think about. So then that we would use, could use our voices, that we would hear, hear the prayers as well. Um, can I share something I just read? That this, uh, I don't remember which saint, it was one of the big Orthodox saints. He 
he um, he suggested to his people or whatever that if they were too tired or too sick to say their prayers at night, that they could just say out loud the Lord's Prayer because it was like the same kind of thing as um, if there was like a, a guy in the war, like all of the people around him have been killed and he's alone on a hill and the enemy's like crawling up or something and he lets out like one shot in the night, like it's like enough to kind of keep them at bay, like, mm-hmm. whatever. So he's, it, it was like, it's what you're saying kind of, but if you, you say, you just say, say something out loud, it kind of like keeps the evil. Keeps the evil, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so praying out loud is good. However, you know, you, if each, each household, the situation is going to be different. Okay, so we talk about then that site, talk about sm- and smell, and that would be incense. There were, I think I didn't get any incense until last year. I became Orthodox in 2003. I don't know. I just, you know, as a widow with four children to still care for by myself and a, and a full-time job, I just wasn't going to bring any any more dirt into my house. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, there's some people who really like the whole charcoal thing, you know, and their kids are into it. I know Frank Dale does it, and I'll just send you to them. And that's one of the things, too. We talked about being connected. If you have questions about these things, I'm going to tell you who to talk to. And, you know, but, but I don't... I've never done the charcoal. I did just recently find these incense sticks, and they're good. You know, they just light them. Don't light them underneath your smoke detector, by the way. <laughs> light it someplace else. It's just in the lighting that it produces a lot of those things that set off the smoke detector. Ask me why I know. Um, at any rate, so I, I find that more convenient. Still creates ashes and so forth, but a lot less. If anybody's interested in charcoal, I can recommend where to get charcoal because I've experimented a lot. I found some great self-igniting charcoal oil. All right. They sells a ton of it in boxes like this, little nickel-sized ones too. Okay. But they also just came out. They're, I don't know how new they are, but they have smokeless incense. So it's just oh, it's just an incense sitting on top of a little platter and light a candle underneath it. Melts them and you get a lot of smoke to get the smell. Well, that's good to know. Okay. Well, they're from a monastery too. They yeah. probably buy their. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. And then I just brought this. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be make make your icon corner un you know ugly, but you know beauty is part of our worship. I mean, look at look at just. I mean, I just was amazed when I traveled to Russia and you know been a communist country for so many years, and then the insides of the churches are just. Painted or mosaics everywhere, so beauty is part of our life as Orthodox Christians. So some people have hanging lamps. This is a little one that I got that I stick my little glass in. So you know, um, some you could do something like that. So that would be sight. But you know what else is sight, and that's our incense. You know, it says we say in vespers, "Let my prayer arise in thy sight as incense." Mm-hmm. Okay, when the smoke is going, oh, it's beautiful here sometimes in the evenings when the sun, late afternoon, when the sun is setting and shining here and, and it illumines, illuminates the, the candles and you can see the, how the candle flame is just changing the atmosphere around it or just, you know, when you see the smoke rising from the incense. So there's another one of our senses that we, that we use. So we talked about touch. And that would be kissing the icons. Um, and also taste. I didn't know this for a long time, but do you know the little bread that, that out there? Some people take those little breads home and then break them up. You have to cut it up when you get it home or other, and break them up in small pieces and have a little bite of the holy bread and a little sip of holy water. Do you know holy water? It's blessed water. We keep it in that jug over there. We have these little bottles. And you're welcome to come and fill yours up. And so some people include taste in their prayer time with a little bit of this bread. Do you know about this, the little loaves that we set out there? And um, this is the Russian tradition. It's different in uh, Antiochian. And you're welcome. It, they're like the candles. You expected to give a donation for, for the little bread. And then you write down the names of the people that you'd like to be pr- t- the priest to pray for. Then they take those little breads back to the altar 
And Father takes, a, when he's saying the prayers, he takes a little piece out of each loaf of bread for the living and then a little piece out for the departed. And he puts that in the chalice so that this particular, your prayers are actually physically carried into the altar and made part of the offering for, you know, for our worship that day. And then the, the bread is returned and you can take it and eat it and so forth and so on. So that's another way to, to just a lot of people don't know about it about that particular thing. But we only have a certain amount, so you've got to get to church early in order to get one. No, there's usually enough. <laughs> okay. Um, I found a space to offer in your refrigerator. I don't know if you do that. Oh, no, I haven't done that. Okay. So part of, where do you find, um, and the other part about just our worship time is silence. And um, where do you find the prayers? So there are prayers. This is the newest edition of the Orthodox prayers. It has a lot of prayers. Um, you know, it has morning prayers. It has evening prayers. It finds the ones that speak to you and pray those. Don't feel as if you have to pray the whole thing, but that's certainly a good resource. And then um, the Orthodox Study Bible at the very end has a little section of morning and evening prayers, so you can find some there. I'm sure you can find some on Wikipedia, so that's where you find the prayers. Where do you find the scriptures? I mean, you can you can have your own prayer scripture reading, but these Orthodox calendars, they have this, the uh, daily readings printed here, or you can also find it on um, the OCA website. Um, you know, just goes OCA.org, and I've been using that lately, because it's just so quick and easy, but you know, it, it'll just you know pull up the I can't remember. You all can I'm sure find it or call me and I'll tell you where to find it. It's also fun to read the Saints of the Day if you have the time. But at any rate, you know, it'll just give you the reading for the day. I mean, really, when you had to open up your Bible and find a particular thing, you might find another thing that came before, or, or you might say, "What does that refer to?" So. It's probably better to actually open up your Bible, but it's really quick and easy just to go to the OCA website. Like I say, there's both orthodoxy is a both and type of a type of a worship. So those are some things you can do to help yourself find the um, the scriptures. Uh, the Jesus prayer is a big part of Orthodox worship, and it's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A lot has been written about it, um, some, and I just feel as if it's something that you have to talk to your to Father Daniel, your spiritual director, about how to use it. Um, you know, some people have heard some people say, "Well, you shouldn't say it in the car," and I'm thinking, "Well, if I'm here, what's wrong with saying the prayer?" And some people say, "You have to say it out loud," and I'm saying, "You know, I'm sitting in the emergency room or whatever. You know, I'm just am going to say it silently." And there's some people, and there are different ways to pray it with breath, but all that changes according to what's happening in your life. However, I encourage you to learn the Jesus prayer and say, and thank you for your example, is that when you find yourself sitting somewhere, that's kind of like your brain, your spirit's default to yeah. go, you know, we're going you know, to pray now. Father you know, Hopko said always have a little prayer that you say when you're not doing anything else. Yeah. And, and so I just, you know, some of the greatest musicians don't play their instrument the way you're supposed to play oh, it. Okay. <laughs> okay. And here's a, just an interesting side note. Um, the Wall Street Journal had an article this summer about how to get through the pandemic, and it's had two points in it. And one was acceptance, and the second point was some sort of a mantra. And I'm thinking, oh, you mean like saying, glory to God for all things, or in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. All right, there's acceptance. And then there's the Jesus prayer. Well... We had it figured out long before some researcher did that got picked up by the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> okay, so um, does anybody have any questions about those elements of a home altar and, and the way to go about having your prayer time? Because I was going to segue to a couple of other little things. I guess I have one question. Yes. Um, is the home altar basically 
like just for your own benefit, or is it sort of like an imperative where if you don't have one, then you're sinning or something? Does that sort of make sense? What I mean? Uh, what I'm hearing is um, is there is is a, a search for a really definitive answer, yes, no. Well, I mean, I I don't want to take any more time. One way to prevent is the church just offers tools for us. So this is one of many tools okay. that say if you you know send us this, this is encouraged to help you grow. Yeah. But no one's ever going to like just write you down. Okay. I think the scripture can answer it. If you know so to do it, you ought to do it, you don't do it, and you sin. So if you feel like it's something you're good, you're supposed to do, and you decide you don't do it, that would be for you and your conscience. Yeah, but why don't you have one? Well, some people aren't ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people can't afford right. anything more than just a tiny icon, and that's still a home offer. Yes, it is. It's, yeah. you know, for a long time, I just had a, a small icon of Jesus. Uh, I wanted to say one thing. It's hard to find an Orthodox Bible that isn't a study Bible. I found one that was made for youth, but it's that big. And I have trouble reading it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I've got to study Bible if I want to study. No. I find it distracting. I read fast. I don't want to have to flip pages while I'm reading the top sections of everything. Rocky, if you get it on the digital copy of the Orthodox Study Bible, you don't have to look at the notes. It goes right through. It just goes right through, and you have to click over to the notes. But you're reading on a phone. Well, then it's really cool because there are people yelling at you. What do you do on your phone? I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I've only had a phone last four months. Oh, okay. My whole life. I don't really like phones. I had one, I got one because my sister made me get one. I'm used to computer monitors. I have a monitor like this, I can read pages. But sitting there with a phone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's absolutely going to drive you nuts. But I think the new Revised Standard has a Septuagint translation of the Old Testament. That's what I was about to say. Just get a, just get a new Revised Standard. Oh. And it'll have, uh, it should have uh, the King James New Testament. So it's, it's sort of like a study novel without. Yeah. Plenty of love. Yeah. Or if you like the Revised Standard. Oh, gosh. I just I use the Revised Standard. I forgot to talk about having a cross. Okay. I forgot to talk about having a cross. This one I got at the dollar store. I just thought it was pretty. <laughs> and then a prayer rope. There's a lot that we can talk about. A prayer rope that's just a way to keep, you know, say, some people say, I want to say 25, you know, Lord of mercies or whatever. Okay, so other things. For, so the Jesus. Pardon? Tuesday morning is here at 6.45. Okay. So let's talk about family prayer, except I can't talk about family prayer. When we were Protestant, it just didn't happen. I mean, there was me against the four kids, and I'm sorry. It just didn't work. Um, Father Daniel says with his children, they light a candle, they sing a song, and that's about it. There are people in this church I know who have family prayers, so connect with them, okay? The Dales I know have had family prayers and so forth, but it's just not something I have experience with, so check with them. Now, let's talk about memory. I think, for me, memory is really important. I know that there are some people, for instance, with ADHD who just can't memorize, but if you start to memorize certain favorite prayers or certain favorite um, Psalms or something, you'll have that. I mean, you know, I was in, um, I had to have surgery after I fell off my bicycle, you know, and they get you all prepped for surgery. Oh, well, it's going to be another half hour. Well, I don't have a prayer book here. I don't have a phone, you know, but at least, you know, I have some prayers that I know that that um, are beneficial for me. What I do is I, I make my passwords um, prayer, like kids come and they say, hey, Mom, what's your, what's your Wi-Fi password? H-G-H-M 
H-I, what is that? Well, it's holy God, but we might be holy immortal, you know. Or <laughs> Lord have mercy, or something like that is the password. But at any rate, I think if any of you are... these, I printed out the Trisagion proof. Do we need to go? Why is everybody... No, 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 no. Oh, I see. Okay. Didn't mean to pull the rug Oh, gee. So I just printed, I want everybody to have a copy of the Trisagion prayers. I just think those are so essential and just like the, an essence of an Orthodox prayer time. So I, if you haven't already read them, or I really encourage you to, to memorize them. It's a good thing, a really good thing to have in your thing. Okay, so um, in terms of, so we've talked about connection to God. We've talked a little bit about connection to others. And, um, you know, connection with your best self. We just, we just trust that God is working in us the more time we spend with one another and with prayer. So life in the church. This is so vital to me, was telling him that I grew up without a church family, you know, without anybody in my family believing except one great aunt who I'm sure prayed for me. She was Anna, so that's why I chose my saint name to be Anna. But when I became a Christian, when I met my husband and, you know, was baptized and confirmed, I basically lost connection with my parents and, and none of them ever have ever become Christian, which I'm, I'm sorry, but I guess I haven't been a good enough witness, you know, for them to become Christian. So, so I'm sep- then when I became Orthodox and my kids were all grown and I couldn't explain to them, you know, so hey, you guys are all I've got, you know, in terms of orthodox, in terms of real fellowship. So that's why it's so important to me. And the time in church is a time for us to receive and a time for us to give. And we're all in different places. But um, you might be at a place where you just had a horrible divorce and you're just hurting and all you want to do is come and sit and listen to the prayers and hope you don't burst out into tears. Well, that's your part in church. Or maybe you're a doer, or maybe, you know, maybe what's most important for you is to have somebody to talk to about what God is doing in my life, or somebody to encourage you to memorize, or or maybe, maybe just, oh, a job needs to be done? Oh, let me add it. You know, there's just different people. I had a pastor one time who talked about there's two kinds of people in a church. There's the pillars and there's the caterpillars. Do you remember this? <laughs> and uh, so the pillars are the ones who hold up the church and the caterpillars are the ones who go in and out. <laughs> and my husband was so upset because he said, I, I don't want to be a caterpillar, but I can't sing, I can't play an instrument. I'm just totally terrible with kids. He said, there's nothing I can do to help the church. and I, thought about for I said, well, Reed, you, you know how to buy and sell real estate. What if you said to the families of church, I'll help you, you know, with your home buying process. And he did, you know, and he was happy to do that. And I still have people coming up to me 26 years after he's passed away to say, I'm so thankful for his help. So there's different ways that you can be connected with the church. You know, it could be related to your spiritual gift. Um, teaching, encouraging, whatever. It could be, you know, those five love languages, you know, some people like gifts of service. That's over there. That's Logan. Man, he's, his ears are just attuned. He's like a border collie. He just finds the people who need help. This is just never so happy. Or there's people who words of affirmation or, you know, meaningful relationships and so forth and so on. If you want to have time to have a small group of people to talk to and listen to, then a small group would be the thing for you to do. And there's different kinds of small groups. Or, but just, you know, to be connected to church, it takes, you know, knowing, thinking about where you are at this time and, and finding a place and just talking to other people about that sort of stuff. Um, so we talk about connection to God, which is a church family, to our best self. How am I going to connect with my prayer rule? This is, the, this is the point that just came to me this morning. I'm an occupational therapist. It's my job to take somebody who's injured and show them how to get better. 
you know, okay, do these exercises and so forth and so on. But all of us, you know, we've all said, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna do such and such, I'm gonna really keep my checkbook in order, I'm gonna stop looking at Facebook so much, you know, how much do we really succeed over the course of two weeks to do that? So, you know, we need a coach, or a coach is helpful, that can be Father Daniel, that can be somebody else. Um, I learned something from my dad. He had back problems all his life. He did exercises every morning. He said, his PT said to him, there's these exercises you should do, and it's really good if you do them three times a day, but if I tell you to do them three times a day, you'll do it for two days, and then you'll leave off the last one, and then you'll feel guilty, and you'll quit. He said, if I tell you to do it once a day, you can work in one set of exercises a day, and you'll do it. Well, I think you have to talk to yourself and you know, consult with Father Daniel about your prayer rule. What can I really do? And be gentle. Okay? Like I said earlier, you might already have a prayer rule, or you might, you know, it might be something totally new. Um, so you try to think about what works for you. And as I said in the beginning, what, what Metropolitan Alfaf said is that it's better to have five minutes every day of a real focused time where you realize you can connect to God than it is to do 25 minutes because you read that in a book and that's what somebody said you ought to do. And then try to say the Jesus prayers. I mean, that's sort of, I guess that's a given. Yes, you have a question. Hey, I think I'm getting confused about prayer room. Is it a time limit or? No. No? No. It's, a, it's some sort of a structured activity that you and your priest create for you to be able to have an encounter with God every day. Okay, well, I mean, on my own, I just started, I have an icon of Christ, said the Jesus Prayer 100 to 200 times in the morning, and it's quiet. Yes. Is that a prayer? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah. But, and another thing, that little book of prayers, you turn to morning prayers, you try to say all those morning no, prayers? No, no, oh. Good gosh. No. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much I don't for... Know where to stop. Thank <laughs> you so much for reading. You can get really discouraged. Yeah. You can know, really get discouraged. Yeah, I know. Um, I would say that that's not for lay people. That could be for a monastic, but it's not for a lay person. At this at this junction, you know, it's it, it's it's both. And you'll have to just connect with Father Daniel, you know, and say this is you know what is it? Is it is it what's easy or was what's challenging? Um, and it changes. So, and, and this is something that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you feel as if this is a good connection, a good encounter with God, then that's it, okay? And it could be that it needs to be, sometime it needs to be shortened. Sometime you may feel like something, you want to add something or you want to do it at a different time. Does that make sense? It, it's not just a free-for-all, but it's you individually coming to spend time with God. So if I could, so in that batch of morning prayers, find one in there that you like, that's easy for you to say, and you just do that one. Or alternatively, for your morning prayers, you can always do uh, Sarah Thomas Rob's prayer rule, which is three our fathers, three uh, Hail Marys, and then the Nicene Creed. If you do that every morning, that's a good way to memorize the Creed. As well. What are some Mary's? Oh, faith, oh, Virgin, rejoice, Mary, full grace, Elizabeth, Eve. Oh, okay. I, I don't even know that. I mean, I've heard it, but I don't know that one. Okay, so, so yes, and there, there may be in reading through some prayers where one really speaks to you, and that's the one you pray. See what I'm saying? So I hope I've clarified some things, opened up some ideas for you, and helped you have more of a sense of 
being connected. Any, any other questions? I guess I got one question. Um, in the Roman Catholic Church, we have what we call the Divine Office or the Liturgy of the Hours, where it's like every three hours or something um, that come, came out of the monastic tradition. I'm curious if this was after the schism or if you also have, I mean, you have Vespers, for example. Well, we have first from the hours. Yeah, from the hours. Yeah. <laughs> is it the same? <laughs> is it just like, like three, six, six o'clock, nine o'clock, noon, Tom. three, six p.m. Okay, so, so, then, so, so, so yeah. then, question, um, I've got like, what's called, I think, the Mundelein Psalter. It's like, is it the same prayers, or do you think you all have different, like a, a different set of prayers that you, I mean, have you ever seen the Roman Catholic, like divineoffice.org? This is, not, this is a job for Google. Yeah, okay. Thank you for the question. Any other questions? All right. Well, let's just stay in. I'll say the, the uh, farewell greeting to the Theotokos. It is truly neat to bless you. It is truly neat to bless you, O Theotokos, ever blessed and most pure and the mother of our God more honorable than the cherubim and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. Remaining virgin, you gave birth to God the word, to Theotokos who magnify you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, through the prayers of a holy father, through the prayers of a holy mother, through the prayers of our guardian angel, our own saints, and of all the saints, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Sometimes I end up blessing food at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. It's good. It's Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Hey, Rocky. I'm just very practical. Bye-bye.